Hello, it's Paul Scott here, and today I'm talking to Sam Bazzini, Chief Executive of Warpaint London, W77L. Hello, Sam. Hi, Paul. How are you doing? Good, thanks. Yeah, I've got to quickly do the disclaimer, so I'm not charging a fee. I don't hold the share personally, and we're not giving financial advice. This is just for general interest, and investors, please do your own research. So, as always with these interviews, I just start by inviting you to give us an overview of the business, please, Sam. Okay, well, at Warpaint, we produce uh, high-quality, on-trend colour cosmetics under several of our own brands. Uh, we've got our two lead brands, a W7 and a brand called Technic. Um, the group employs about 120 staff worldwide. We've got 167,000 square foot of warehouse and office space in the UK. Our HQ is in uh, Ivor Buckinghamshire, which is a stone's throw from Heathrow Airport. And we've also got a significant operation in Silsden, West Yorkshire. Uh, we've got offices in the US, Hong Kong and China. The offices in the US are primarily uh, for sales, to make sales into the biggest cosmetic market in, in the world. And Hong Kong and China, we really use just for sourcing and quality control. We sell to around 50 countries worldwide. We outsource all our manufacturing we uh, use multiple factories. Uh, we find this gives us the best price, the best quality, and the best service. If we don't like uh, the service we're getting or the price, we can move very, very quickly. And finally, and you know, most importantly, we're, we're profitable, we're cash generative, we've got a robust balance sheet, we're debt-free, and something that's very, very unusual for AIM companies, we, we pay a dividend. Um, so that really is just a quick... Uh, overview of what the business does great very uh yeah i can tell you've done that before <laughs> so uh no very interesting um now i've followed wallpaint since you floated and my yeah. focus in my small caps column is on value shares and uh, growth at reasonable price um and wallpaint caught my eye last year because you really started to outperform and i've been writing uh strongly positive articles about you throughout the last year. So can you talk us through uh, the uh, the history? Because uh, profitability was falling between 2018 and 2020. And obviously, I don't want to dwell on the past too much. But So what went wrong then? And you've obviously clearly comprehensively fixed it. So um, how have you achieved this strong turnaround since then? Okay, well, this, <clears throat> this, is, this business is a... A, a quite an old business. I started selling what we call close-out and clearance cosmetics in the 1980s where I met my uh, co-founder, Ian McLeod. <clears throat> and um, so we've been doing this for 40 years and our business, because we were buying clearance or close-out, however you wish to, to refer to, you know, other people's overruns, um, <clears throat> we grew up in the budget sector, in the affordable sector serving the market traders you know we're in the discount sector and uh, that's where we always focused and in 2002 we produced our, our first brand W7 uh, W7 being the postcode of the first warehouse that we bought which is the postcode for Ealing and uh, we started to sell W7 and we would sell it at that time into our usual discounters TK Maxx Pound Worlds you know, people on the high street, the independents. And that is how the business grew up. And we floated in 2016, and the growth was all very good. And we realized in order to grow, we would need, you know, a strategy for growth. How are we going to grow this business? And I like to call it 
our 75% strategy. You know, 75% of cosmetics in this country are sold in the likes of Boots, Superdrug, Tesco, and we weren't in any of these stores. So we started to target these stores. And but unfortunately, in 2008, 2018 wasn't too bad, but in 2019, the high street just collapsed, and we lost a lot of the tail of our business. We lost a lot of market traders. We lost a lot of the independents, <coughs> people like Pound World that were spending £800,000 a year with us disappeared. Uh, 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 so all of a sudden, that is what went wrong. And, you know, in the background, we were working on this strategy. And in 2020, you know, with all, after all the hard work, we managed to launch into Tesco. But, of course, we launched into Tesco in February and we locked down in March on March the 23rd. But actually, you know, 2020 wasn't a terrible year for us. Um, you know, during COVID, admittedly, obviously, the turnover dropped, but we still managed to make uh, a, a profit. I mean, if you look at the statutory numbers, it, it, you know, it, it was a loss because we've been, <clears throat> we were writing things off and, and, you know, various other things. But actually, the business and it made an adjusted profit of around two and a half million, which we were very pleased with. And actually, so were the investors. So really, how we've turned it around, we launched into Tesco in, in 2020 in 54 stores, something like that, 54, 53 stores, I can't remember exactly. We're now in over 1,300. We've, still, we've since gone into boots um, as part of the strategy. The hardest thing is to open the first door. We've gone into Wilco. Um, we've got products going into Asda. Um, you know, we're doing a lot of their, their own brands and, and that type of thing. So <clears throat> um, that is how we've achieved the turnaround and sort of put that time behind us and it wasn't that we didn't have the strategy but selling cosmetics is not like putting a can of baked beans on a shelf you know you have to have to find you the space there's a hundred skews in sort of these lit up cabinets that you see in store and that takes time to get into store but but really we, we've turned it around and, and we're very very pleased it's upwards and onwards how interesting. And presumably, then, the customers must love the products. Um, otherwise, you wouldn't still be in the big retailers, I guess. Well, I mean, to, to, to go in in 54 stores and a few years later be in sort of 13 to 1400, and, mm. you know, we're still look, they're still looking to give us more stores and more products, obviously shows that the, the products are selling and uh, the brand and the products are resonating with the customers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's self-evident, isn't it, as you say, mm. from, from that. So um, let's, following on naturally from that really, is then thinking about the product and the branding. So what, what do you see uh, as your, how are you achieving those high sales? And is it repeat sales or is it sort of one-off fashion purchases? How, could you sort of talk around that sort of topic? No, it, it's it's repeat sales. I mean, we we've had you know last year obviously we had a lot of growth in in 2021. We achieved revenues of, of 50 million. Uh, last year, at two, 2022, and we've announced it, so I can say it. The revenues are going to be slightly ahead of 64 million. So that, so it's obviously a lot of growth, and we've we've achieved that. I have to say, part of a big part of our strategy is nurturing and growing what we have. It's no point 
finding new customers if you're not looking after the old ones. So the lion's share of the growth came last year from existing customers. We've almost all, 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 all been able to grow our online. We've also grown in the USA. Um, <clears throat> but no, that we we don't really have one-off sales. We've just got regular customers and, and repeat business. So it, yeah, it's just on, ongoing business. That sounds brilliant. Yeah, there's one of the things as a, as a small caps investor I look for is not necessarily contractually recurring revenues, but repeating revenues where the customer's happy to reorder. So, yeah, yeah that's music to my ears. Um, so moving on then to the latest trading update, which I reported on, I think it was last week, wasn't it? Um, another ahead of expectations trading update. We've had a whole string yeah. of those from you guys, which is great. And you've raised, again, this is all uh, from the RNS, you've raised profit guidance from 9 million to 10 million for 2022. Yep. Now, you did mention, you touched on this a moment ago, growth in the USA and online growth as being particular highlights. So could you talk us through uh, those two um, areas, please? Well, you know, we, we acquired a business in 2018 in the US and they were very, very focused on... Again, this closeout business, but they were also doing some of our W7, and they, they eventually we had to change the management there because they weren't focusing on what we were doing. And obviously, I can't talk too much about the numbers, but we have made yes. significant <clears throat> progress in the U.S. I mean, we're still not—it's uh, <clears throat> the tip of the iceberg. We're not doing anything like we should be. But I've just got a feeling, you know, where we've opened up. For example, with CVS, we put in some uh, gifting products to them uh, last year. Actually, it was, it was quite a large order, and we had to announce it. So we got some Christmas gift from CVS, and that's gone well. And because of that, they've now given us a trial in 190 stores for our all-year-round product. And that was always what we were looking for. You know, The gifting was always the Trojan horse to try and get our all-year-round product in. So we're, we're in 190 stores as a trial, <clears throat> CVS have got 9,000 stores, so the opportunity is huge. And I've got no reason to doubt we won't be able to, you know, repeat the success we've had at Tesco. So, you know, really that is quite exciting. Uh, and online, again, we, you know, the, the figures are, uh, are out there. You know, we sort of did 1.3 million uh Last year, uh, I said uh, in 2021, and, and I, I said this year we expected revenues in excess of, of two million, and we've been able to. Do it. So it's not uh, a huge, a huge amount in terms of numbers, but it is a huge amount in, in terms of percentage and growth. So we're, we're quite excited about that. Mm. Yeah, well, that sounds really interesting, particularly the US growth. I mean, follow-on question from that, I suppose. <clears throat> How uh, I would imagine there's very intense competition in the U.S. I mean, I know nothing about this, but uh, with it being such a huge market, so are you finding that your products translate well into the U.S.? Uh, we have found that. I mean, uh, the good incubator for us is uh, Amazon, and, and uh, in the U.S., and we're seeing that our products are are selling well there, and in the retailers that we've put them in, you know, we, we were not unhappy with. Uh, the sales in CVS, and obviously they weren't, otherwise we wouldn't be getting this opportunity. I mean, look, every market is competitive, and you've just mm. got to be confident with your own product and the rate, way you run your business that your products are going to sell, uh, and and uh, we are confident, and they are they are selling. 
Yeah, brilliant. How about EU? That's a similar size market to America, isn't it? Are you in there? Uh, yes, I mean I haven't got the figures with me, but in, in the first half of last year, and I can't talk about the second half, the EU was our, our biggest growth area. Yes, we're doing we do a lot in Spain, uh, a lot in uh, Scandinavia, uh, and a lot in France. So they're all covered right. off, and we, we're attacking Germany at the moment. That's that's quite a difficult market for us, but it's again a big opportunity. Yeah, thanks. And then the key question that investors always ask, don't they, when companies are performing well, is, mm. is that is that strong performance sustainable? Uh, I believe it is. Uh, and, and the reason I believe it is, so, you know, if I look at the UK, we, we launched last April in Boots, uh, but we only launched in 80 stores. They've got 2,000 stores. The brand is doing well, and we're discussing with them to try and get more space. We've launched a couple of products in Asda. We're trying to get more space in Asda. Uh, if you look at um, Superdrug, we're not even in Superdrug. I think they've got 1,800 stores. Uh, we're not in Sainsbury. We're not in a lot of the big players, so there's a lot of room for growth uh, mm. in the UK. And if you look at the US, yes, we've broken into CVS, and there are various other retailers we deal with their five below and Kroger's and these that we've been dealing with them for a long time. But we're not in Walmart. We are trying to talk to them. We're not in uh, Target. We're not in Walgreens. So there are, we think, there is a lot of room for growth within our business. Great. And then looking at margins next, I know makeup is well known for being um, <clears throat> high margin. Um, but how much fashion risk is there with the product then? I think you've, you've more or less half answered this already. Um, but could you talk us through the fashion side of makeup? Well, I mean, the, the thing with makeup is if you look at our products, 70% of what we do is core a red lipstick, a red nail polish, um, a black mascara. So there's not really a lot of, of, uh, of fashion risk in that. People are always using that. We do bring out on-trend products, but they're brought out in a sensible manner. We don't sort of hold to thousands and thousands. We sort of buy them as we go. So as the trend starts to wane, you know, we haven't got a lot of stock left. We also, we are an international business. So we, we very often find as the trend is waning in the UK, it's picking up in Australia and, and those type of things. So... No, we, it's it's never really been a problem. I mean, I'd be lying to you if I ever said, "Oh, we've had to to write stock." We've never had to write stock down, but we we don't have big write downs on stock. And a lot of the items we have are sort of hero lines that we've run for years. Yeah, interesting. And I suppose with them being so small and relatively light, you know, air freighting a few pallets around the world isn't 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 going to be uh, that much of a big no. deal, is it? it, it, it it's something we like. <laughs> To avoid because it is expensive, but you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, that's a double-edged sword. They are light, but our products are affordable. So you know the percentage yes. is still high. But if if we run short of stock and we've got to get it here quickly or something like that, we we have air freighted stuff in the past, and you know and we still manage to make you know profit. It needs to be done. We can do it. Yeah, so I know some of the fast fashion retailers, uh, e-commerce businesses like Boohoo, mm. do uh, test and repeat. So do you operate on a similar system to that? No, no. 
Okay. We, we we've we've got a lot of experience in this business. We've got a, a very very good MPD department. If we decide we're going to make something, we make. I'm trying to guess what MPD means. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. New product <laughs> development. Apologies. Right, got it. Sorry, you know, it, it, that no, it's it's my fault. So <laughs> no, I mean you know we we've got the courage of our convictions. Uh, uh, yeah, and I have to say, you know what, ninety nine point nine percent. 99.9% of the time we get it right and when we usually when we bring something in our customers buy into it obviously mm. some things are better than others but it's very very rare you know that we, we, we make a new item and it doesn't sell because it's usually an on trend and people want it yeah great and uh, supply chain then um, I'm assuming the product's mainly made in China is, is that right yeah mm-hmm. okay and how do you feel about the associated risks COVID, freight problems, geopolitical <clears throat> issues, Taiwan, and so on? Well, um, with regard to COVID, I mean, this has been going on for quite a while. I mean, it, it's opened up now, but even though it's opened up, you know, it's getting a few people ill. But what tends to happen is if you're going to get a delay, the factory closes down for 10 days, then it reopens. So I'm not really worried about COVID. Freight was absolutely awful in 2020 and 21. The cost of the freight was just horrendous. It went through the roof uh, because of the pandemic. Um, but that has completely come back to normal. It's now uh, back to pre-pandemic levels in terms of cost. Uh, in terms of lead times, the ships are a little bit slower. But, um, you know, it, it, it's, we, we just allow for that in the way we buy um geopolitical problems if china invade taiwan all bets are off uh, for us mm. and everybody else you know it would be an issue i mean we don't make everything in china and, and we could move to other supplies but i think if something like that happened it would be uh you know an earthquake for the world and let's yeah. hope it doesn't um but that that's something is it something i worry about it's on my radar I'm not worried about it. I'm not uh, overly overly concerned. Okay, thanks. Yeah, from talking to other CEOs, I've been in this series of interviews I've been doing for the last six mm. months or so, I've been amazed at how dependent uh, companies generally are on China for supply. And even if you suggest we'll move production somewhere else, they say, well, where do you think the raw materials come from? <laughs> They're all made well, in I, China as well. I, listen, I can tell you a small story because, you know, I've looked at this maybe you know can we look somewhere else and i found a manufacturer in turkey to make me product mm-hmm. and i showed them a foundation and they said it was in a glass bottle and i said to them they said well we, can we make it for you in a plastic bottle i said no it's got to be that's what we make it in a glass bottle mm-hmm. it has to be seamless you know we're making the same product and they said well if you want it in a glass bottle we can make it for you but it's going to take 16 weeks because we've got to get the glass from china so it, <laughs> yeah. it's very very hard to get away from China, um, so it, it is difficult, and uh, fingers crossed, we won't have that problem. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's move on to marketing, and um, obviously that's a big thing for makeup brands, isn't it? Really. And I was thinking with online as well. I mean, influencers now seem very uh, important for some elements of fashion. Do you want to talk around um, uh, that, that topic? Well, I mean, we do 
use influencers, but I, I think the world of using influencers has has changed. I think a lot of these sort of celebrities uh, that come along from programs like I pick Love Island for one or Geordie Shore, these type of things, are becoming less influential. Um, oh, I'm not sure if everyone if they're trusted as much, they're good to, you know, to, this is our opinion, this is our experience. Um, mm. You know, when, when, when we look at these, these people, you know, they'll advertise anything from a bag of peanuts to a Rolls Royce, <laughs> you know, so, True. you know, I, I don't think they're taken that seriously, but they, they are good for brand building and brand recognition. And from time to time we do use them, but our focus in our business is really to find Makeup influencers, what we call makeup geeks, that really are interested in makeup. So we, we've got a one girl that we've taken on. Her name's Vikaboo. Uh, she's got a great following. She's on uh, TikTok, and mm. she does some work for us. We've done some collaborations on eyeshadow boxes, and she does a good job. And we also use microbloggers to make videos to put on Instagram and that type of thing. Um, <clears throat> but you know, we're very, very careful you know about what we spend i mean i can sort of spill this into to social media it's, it's very very easy and, and e-commerce is very very easy for customers to burn cash online um if you're looking for a company to be doing 300 million in two years time and losing money we're not the company to invest in that's not mm. what we do it's not it's not in our dna Ian and i started in our business in the 1980s and we always had to make a profit we had to make a living you know it wasn't yeah. we didn't start the business to get a load of cash from the city grow it and bail out you know we started this business and it developed into a business that was you know dependable enough and strong enough to become a, a public company so you know for us we only, you know, we're very, very careful in what we spend on social media and what we spend on promoting the brand. And, it, and, it, and even, you know, in the U.S., we use Amazon to sell our products primarily online. Uh, people say, oh, does Amazon work for you? For us, it does. You know, we end up with sort of a same sort of net-net margin as the rest of the business, sort of a, you know, a 15% margin, something like that, 15 to 20% net margin. Uh, when we advertise, we make sure, we, you know, it's in line with what we're going to take. So it, we won't spend, we try and, we won't, we try not to spend more than 15% of the revenues we get from Amazon. So if we're taking $100,000, we only want to spend 15000 with them on advertising to try and grow the brand. Yeah, and, and, and it's, it's growing, you know, it's growing quite nicely and, and it's growing at a profit. What we don't want is a, a social media policy, an e-commerce policy that leeches off the, the rest of the business. I, I've looked around at some of these online businesses and I've seen some of the results coming out over the last few weeks. You know, and I know that there's nothing wrong with their product margin. But they're all losing money, and I think they're losing money because they're overspending on marketing and advertising and that type of thing. And I just think it's slowly, slowly. And I think in the cosmetic business, you know, retail is very, very important. You know, it's we we look at cosmetics. I know if my wife buys cosmetics, the only cosmetics she buys online, if it's a repeat product, 
other than that, she wants Mm -hmm. to go out and test it. And you can't do that online. Yes, we've got augmented reality and and things like that where people can sort of, you know, try these sort of online uh, testers. But it's not the same thing. And you've only got to walk into a super drug or or a big boots on a Saturday morning and you'll see all the the young girls on there. It's a hobby. They'll be trying the lipsticks, painting their nails, painting the nail polish all over the displays. It is a hobby. People like to go out and shop it. So social media, uh, e-commerce and social media, yes, it's very, very important to grow the brand and e-commerce is good for revenue. But to me, bricks and mortar is the number one. Yeah, how interesting. Um, and then just a boring um, financial question now. I'm a, I'm a numbers man, so a former mm-hmm. FD of a retailer myself, and I, so I've obviously picked over the figures. Um, and unlike a lot of companies that claim they've got a strong balance sheet, you guys actually do have a strong balance sheet. <laughs> it's excellent. Um, so thumbs up there. The only number that jumped out at me for to query was the inventories figure, um, which was £20 million, I think, of the last accounts at cost, yeah. compared with mm-hmm. £30 million annualised cost of sales, which seemed yeah. high. So could you talk us through that? Well, you know, it, it's become higher because I think the best way of putting it is the just-in-time model is broken, right? And we don't want to lose sales. Um, and I know it seems high, that our stock has never been younger. Our FD likes to say, you know, it's never been younger. We haven't got a lot of uh, stuff that we have to write down. And although that's quite a large number, a lot of that number is in our fast-moving, fast-selling hero lines mm. we don't have to borrow money to have the you know to buy the stock we've got our own cash um i mean i know ian and i obviously are 50 percent holders but we run this business for what's best for the company not best best for us i mean uh you know another somebody else would say well no, let's take all the let's take everything out and borrow the money we don't want to do that we like being debt free so th- there's plenty of money in there for the stock uh, it's, uh, it's not it's not aging, and you know we don't want to miss out on any orders. We're very very comfortable with the amount of stock that we're selling. It's not a problem. We've got the room, we've got the warehousing. So you know, that's that's really the answer. You know we we must stay in stock. It will cost us a lot more by going out of stock. Yeah, no, that's all music to my ears. And presumably, with relationships with the customers, must be key as well. If, if Tesco, for sake of example, just whacking a big order you want to be able to yes. to fulfill it promptly i'm guessing yeah, i mean you know if somebody came to us tomorrow and they said they've got a hundred shops that they'd like to stock out with a hundred of our best-selling lines they can have it by the, by the beginning of next week you know wow. we've just got to pick it pack it and get it out the only thing we couldn't build is the furniture in a week you know mm. that that would take a bit longer but the stock is here and we've got county display units so we, we can move very, very quickly, you know, when when we get opportunities like this, which is important. In fact, we spoke to one of the big groups, I won't say who they were, and they, they said to us, that is your superpower. You can make a decision quickly. You've always got the stock, you know, so... Yeah. That that's uh, that's that's really you know how we feel. We you know you don't get too much interest in the bank. We'd rather have it in stock and deliver it to our customers mm. at a good margin. Yes, yeah, a nimble entrepreneurial business. Mm. Um, 
So you mentioned before you've been doing it about 40 years, so yeah. I don't want to offend you in any way, but I mean, <laughs> we do sort of start to think about eventual retirement plans and what happens to the business uh, trade sale or will you remain there until you drop it? <laughs> so what, what are your plans? Well, I think, well, when we originally floated the business in 2016, the 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 talk was, you know, we'll be here for five to ten years. We've now been floated for six. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll get, eventually we'll bring in a, a new CEO and, and new CEOs and new management and we'll leave. And, and actually we've done that because, you know, the question before you said, oh, good entrepreneurial, nimble business. But actually when we floated this business, it was very, very reliant on Ian and I. And what we've done over the last few years, we've put layers of management in. So we've got a proper new product development department. Uh, we've got a good accounts department. We've got a PR department where we were running around doing everything. Actually, yeah. I could go on holidays to, to the Caribbean for three weeks and it would all run very nicely. Of course, there's key decisions that uh, a CEO and a managing director has to make. But so that's what we've done. So... You know, if we wanted to, in two, three years' time, we could say, well, look, I've had enough. Let's bring in another CEO. And I would only bring in another CEO with the same sort of business values that we've got. I I wouldn't bring in a CEO that says, oh, great, well, we'll lose money for three years. And, you know, I think they call it jam tomorrow. You know, (laughs) (laughs) that's what one of the private retail investors said to me. So we're not interested in that. You know, we'd want the business to carry on growing steadily, paying a dividend. Ian and I have got 50% of the business, so we'd want the dividend. So that would be the succession plan. And the other one, would we sell to a trade buyer? I, I, I don't believe there there is a business in the world that is not for sale at the right price. And of course, if a trade buyer came along and, and the yeah. price was right, we would look at it. But that would, uh, I've got to say, if someone came along to me tomorrow, it'd be a little bit of a, a wrench to say goodbye to everyone. And uh, I don't know. It's, I, I don't think I'm quite ready yet to uh, walk out the door. But you know, it's like everything else. So there is a succession plan. The business has become much more independent, I would say fully independent. Another CEO could come and do my job. In fact, I I, I look at me now sometimes and, you know, all the things that happen in the business, the new product development, the sales. Of course, I'm talking to people, I'm organizing these, but you know what? Sometimes I feel a bit of a fraud. I'm not getting my hands dirty enough. You know, it seems like everyone's doing all the work and I'm getting all the, the credit, which is, you know, um, that's how it goes. Um, yeah. But you know, we, it, it, it's uh, you know the business is really quite autonomous now. So uh, we're, we're pleased that we've managed to put that in, in place. Yes, yeah, sounds fantastic. Um, well, congrat- congratulations on the superb performance in 2022. Um, generally, I think you've probably covered this, but how do you see the future panning out? Well, it's, you know, we're going to continue with our strategy and it's, it's, you know, we've got quite a lot of fingers in a lot of pies of of growing our e-commerce. We've got a plan to do that this year and we expect good growth in that. We expect good growth in the USA and obviously opening more doors in the UK. Uh, But coupled with all that, very, very important, we grow and nurture what 
the customers we have by you know producing good new products that that people want to buy at the prices they want to buy them at and that mm-hmm. really is in a nutshell what we're all about it's a very simple business yeah sounds fantastic um any closing remarks from you sam <sighs> not really uh, not really uh, i think i think we've really covered everything other than i think right. our shares are very very good value <laughs> to all you investors listening <laughs> far too cheap we're not meant to say that but <laughs> oh aren't we oh, no, very, no, well, i can say it I, you yeah. know what so, you know what someone said to me there isn't a ceo he's met, met that doesn't think their shares are too cheap nothing yeah. really I, I think the best thing to say about us why invest in war paint um you know we're profitable we've got no debt we pay a dividend. We've consistent profit. I, you know, I've never, made, you know, we've, I've never made a loss, and the business since it's floated has never made a loss ever. You know, it's a safe pair of hands, and you know, we're one of the few companies uh, on AIM that you know can say that that, that, yeah, that pay a dividend, profitable. You know, I really think we are a very safe bet and a safe pair of hands. Yeah, fantastic. Well, I've really enjoyed chatting you, uh, to you, Sam. Thanks so much for doing this. Um, and uh, wish you well for continued success. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for the opportunity. No worries. Cheers, then. Cheers. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.